Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to the NBA Big Board Podcast. And today I have my guy, Sam Ferris, a.k.a. Mr. Draft Dummies. And in this episode, we are going to talk about some of the highly touted freshmen that disappointed this year. Stay tuned. All right, shout out to each and every person that has made the NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I know I appreciate it, and especially on Mondays when it is your first listen of the week. And like I said in the opening, I have my guy Sam Ferris, a.k.a. Mr. Draft Dummies on today. And in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the freshmen that disappointed. So I'm going to start off at the top. Actually, you know what? Before I get into the episode, how are you doing today? And are you're a jazz fan, correct? No, so I'm actually a, a big Warriors fan. Now, how yeah. did you end up a Warriors fan in Utah? Uh, it's adopted. So my, <laughs> I adopt my fanhood from my dad. So my dad's from the Bay Area. So we're 49ers fans, Oakland A's fan, Golden State Warriors fans. So uh, that's where my dad's from and passed on to me. Okay, that makes sense. You know what? I'm a A's fan. Well, I haven't watched baseball in years, but as a kid, yeah, I was a huge A's fan. I, I wanted to be one of the Bash brothers, Conseco <laughs> fan, Mark McGuire. I can probably yeah. tell you that whole lineup from the 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 series in the Bay when they had the big earthquake. So I think that was like 1989, and I mean I remember Ricky Henderson, Carney Lansford. Anyway, but this is a basketball NBA draft <laughs> podcast. All right, so all right, we we talked about it a little bit in last week's show. But now we want us to take a deeper dive into the subject. And I'm seeing different freshmen entering the draft despite not having a successful season on paper. And so the most obvious name is Patrick Baldwin Jr. I don't know if he's officially entered the draft or not. And I think the deadline is, is coming up pretty soon. But he stands out as the guy that had the most hype. And maybe you can throw Imani Bates in there. But as far as like having a, an extreme amount of hype coming into the season, it didn't live up to expectations. So I wanted to get your overall thoughts on Patrick Baldwin Jr. Yeah. One other guy I might throw in there is Jaden Hardy, G League Ignite. Not to the same extent, but a guy, I think I had him fifth coming in, um, but he now is looking more like a late first round pick as well. So different context, different situation, but similar kind of thing there. But yeah, starting with Pat Baldwin. So I know you were lower on him, or at least I think it's interesting to have the discussion that a guy that played that poorly as a freshman could still have the chance to go in like the top 20. And I personally have him as a top 20 prospect, and I think you differ from me there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you talk about the context at Milwaukee. I mean, I think they were like ranked around like the 300th best team when you look at um, defensive and offensive efficiency. They, they were just one of the worst teams in college football. A bad situation to end up in with no help. I think almost anybody would have looked pretty poor in that situation, in that context. But you can't just completely ignore the shooting percentages and just the lack of raw stats too. And then on top of that, couldn't stay healthy all season. 
but I mean, this is where the, the conversation gets interesting because how do you value pre-college sample? How do you value his size plus shooting ability versus just how rough of a freshman season that was? That's the crux of the conversation and that's where it gets interesting. And that's why I kind of thought this topic would be fun to talk about because I think it, it makes it almost even a little bit more fun as an evaluator like we are where it's just, it's so unknown that I think it kind of separates or it gives you a chance to kind of distinguish yourself as an evaluator because we really don't know what these guys are quite yet as prospects. And so there's still just so much unknown that you kind of have to sort through. So here's my issue with Patrick Baldwin Jr. All right. Everyone says he's a shooter, but when has he shown that he is a shooter? Number two, he picked his situation at Milwaukee. Like I feel like in college, it is the one time outside of maybe high school, but it is the one time that you get to pick your situation. You know, your teammates coming in to the season, you know, if you are a big that relies on a ball handler to give you the ball, you know, the roster. Maybe things change a little bit because of the whole transfer portal. You don't know who's coming and going. But for the most part, you have, it's almost like you're a free agent. You can pick the best situation for you. And I feel like he was in a situation where he had an opportunity to succeed because his dad was the coach. So when his struggles to me, I'm not necessarily giving him a pass. If I do give him somewhat of a pass, I think that the injuries, are, um, I mean, I think it's a bit concerning because he had the same injury in high school, but he knew what he was getting into coming into the season. Now, unless it was a situation where there was some pressure from the family, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking as an outsider. So that's why I'm not necessarily giving him a pass. He did not shoot well at the under 19s. And it's almost like his pre- college reputation is still giving him an opportunity if we did not know who Patrick Baldwin was coming in and he was a three-star recruit I don't think he'd be on anybody's draft radar as a possible first-round pick he's still living off the hype that he had coming into the season yeah I mean that's fair I I think I disagree a little to the extent that I mean yes he, he certainly picked the situation he ended up in but that doesn't change the fact that it was just an awful team that he was playing with and nobody really would have played that well with those guys. So, I mean, you can certainly, you know, quibble with his decision-making. I don't know, like you said, if his dad, I'm, I'm sure he was likely pressured to go there. So you can, you can argue with that decision, but you can't really argue with the fact that his team was awful and any freshman would have struggled to fit in there. So, I mean, that's why it's fun. There's so many different ways to look at it. And yeah, the shooting numbers haven't been great, but I don't know. I mean, this is where the evaluation comes in. I do buy the shot and I do buy the size and the skill at six foot nine. But I mean, that's where minds differ. That's why a guy like Zaire Williams last year went 10th and I had him much lower on my board. I think you had him much lower. I'm sure other NBA teams wouldn't have taken him in the first round, but uh, that's where you got to take all in, your intel into consideration and just make the pick that you think is the correct one. Yeah, I mean, I, and I was I was wrong about Zaire. Um, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's playing playoff minutes. But I think with Patrick Baldwin Jr., like, 
if you're a like when have we seen a guy that is a high level prospect not dominate a smaller conference and that's kind of my mindset because you know we i've seen guys at power five schools elevate their teammates and make guys better and in his case he didn't make anybody better i don't even know if the team was was even better or worse with or without him on the floor so to me that's like my biggest concern, I, I'm, again, I'm not necessarily high on him just because I have not, other than the fact that he looks good, he has the positional size, and I mean, he checks some boxes, but when the lights are on, whether it's the under-19s or whether it's this season, I mean, even like his effort, like there were games where he just didn't look like he played with a lot of effort. And so that's, that's why I guess my opinion on Patrick Baldwin is low. I still think he gets drafted. But it just kind of makes me wonder, like, all right, are, are you getting drafted because you had this buzz coming coming into the season? Well, that took up a whole entire segment. But when we return, we'll talk about a few other prospects. Hopefully we don't have just one guy taking up a whole segment. But I love the debate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're higher on, on Patrick Baldwin than I am. All right, before we get going to the next segment, I want to talk to the audience about Shady Rays. And Shady Rays. It's an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses, but for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's insane protection program. Shady Ray's includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. So give them a try. And if you don't love them, you'll pay absolutely nothing. It is simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively, check this out. This is exclusively for our listeners. Head to ShadyRays.com and use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's the code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Ray sunglasses, and they are backed by over 150,000 five-star reviews. All right. Thank you so much for making NBA Big Board or the NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free. And it is available wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Raphael, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board with Sam Ferris from the Draft Dummies. All right, who was the next prospect that you felt had a, I guess, a disappointing freshman season and did not necessarily live up to the expectations coming into this year? So... One guy that's really fascinating to me is Bryce McGowan's. And we can, like you said, disappointing, whatever word you want to use, like that's subjective. I don't know that I'd necessarily say he was disappointing, but his team certainly wasn't that great. And I think the interesting thing with him is he's got the size. He was more productive than a Pat Baldwin in his freshman season. But if you just look surface level at his stats, you see he shot under 30% from three. And so you might jump to the conclusion that, you know, he's not a good shooter. But I think if you buy the shot with Bryce McGowan's, that to me, 
again, this is my opinion. I think he is one of the guys that could be the easiest pick in terms of guys that exceed where they get drafted, like exceed. They provide more value than their draft slot. I think to me, he's one of the easier picks there if you buy the jump shot. And to me, when I look at some of the indicators with him where, you know, he's shot really well from the free throw line, 83%. And then you also look at his touch where on floaters, shot almost 50%. So like you look at kind of some of the underlying numbers and like I buy his shot enough that the rest of his game, like his slashing and ability to get to the rim at six foot seven, like there are some really intriguing tools there that I would be willing to bank on. And so that's kind of why I think he, whether you want to call him disappointing or not as a freshman, I think he's a really interesting case. Yeah, I agree. And maybe I'm a little bit biased because I am from Nebraska. So I am uh, uh, a Husker fan. And it is similar because he picked the situation there. And I mean, he has a brother on, on the team. So that probably was the only reason why he chose to to go to Nebraska. And I think he knew coming into the season that the team wasn't going to be good. He probably didn't think they'd be as bad as, as they were. But I felt like he showed more flashes than Patrick Baldwin. And I guess you can say, like, yeah. the second best player on Nebraska was better than the next best player at Milwaukee. But what I like about Baldwin – I'm not sorry, not Baldwin. But what I like about McGowan's is I never questioned his toughness. I never questioned how hard he plays. I mean, this dude is skinny. Like, he is yeah. super skinny, but he got to the free throw line a significant amount of times. And the thing that I – I think that he has that going for him that's a little bit more advanced than most scores his age is he understands how to get to the foul line. I think usually for scores that may be like the last stage of the development is how to get baskets and draw fouls when your shot isn't going. And that's one of the things that he does really well at, at this point in his career. Now, where do you have him on, on your latest big board? So I have him in the top 20. Uh, I haven't, you know, finished kind of ranking everybody, but he is a guy that, you know, when I look at the draft, when you look at numbers over the past, how many ever years of the draft, there's usually 20 guys that end up making it. So I kind of like to say, you know, my 20 guys that I believe in that will be long-term NBA players. And from there, I kind of rank that crop of guys that I more so believe in long-term and, and he'd be in that group. So I would say he's a guy that I, I do like more than the consensus. And that's an interesting way to put it. And you are correct. Every year, there's maybe 20 guys that stick. And I actually like that, that way of ranking your players. Like, all right, I'm going to, instead of going by, you know, my big board of just one through 60 or one through 100, ranking them on the guys that you feel like will, will stick. And I, I mean, I, that's a good philosophy there. I wanted to, to hear your thoughts on Peyton Watson. This is a tricky situation also. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I was like three points a game and recently declared for the draft. Another situation where I feel like he picked the situation that, you know, he picked his teammates, he picked the school. I, I give him a little bit of a pass because he probably like me and other people thought Johnny Juzang was gone after having such a strong NCAA tournament last year. And he probably thought he'd have a much, much bigger role. And he falls into a situation where he's on a, a veteran team that went to the final four and the minutes were, were hard to come by. What are your thoughts on Peyton Watson? 
Yeah, so similar to you, like the the situation he picked just didn't end up being that great. He didn't get many minutes. There were games that he just didn't even play at all. And like you said, I, I don't think he expected both those guys to be back because he ended up being behind both Hawkes. Like Hawkes was basically just an older, better version of a college player that he was. And then Zhu Zhang had the great tournament run, but ended up opting to come back, which, like you said, may have surprised him. And so just had two guys. And then also the another barrier was Mick Cronin. Just He doesn't really play the younger guys that much. He tends to really side kind of with the older, more experienced guys. And especially with the team in UCLA that was picked to be preseason top five. And so there just weren't many minutes to go around for him. And he had a really quick leash too. So... It, it's just so hard to judge or pull much from his season when he there were games where he didn't play at all. And when he did, he'd play three or four minutes and get yanked. So not a ton to pull from his season as well, but like the physical tools are there too. So I'd be surprised. I guess I'll throw it back to you. Do you think he ends up going in like the top 20 just based off of his physical profile? Man, that's a tough question because... I don't, I mean, he could have improved as a shooter. We just didn't really get a chance to, to see it. I mean, that was kind of like the knock on him was his outside shooting. Now, if he goes to a, a workout and he shoots the ball really well or exceeds expectations, then I think his stock could go up. But what's interesting for him is that he's at UCLA. And if he's not going to be a top pick, he could probably make a decent amount of change as in, you know, with NIL. And yep. I mean, I've, I've talked to agents that have told me that they had players that they thought they had signed. And then at the last minute, the player ended up getting a sig significant amount of NIL money where they didn't even test the waters, which I think kind of throws a, a monkey wrench in a lot of uh, for scouts. Cause you know, teams want a deep draft pool. I mean, they're not necessarily thinking about the players, but they're thinking about if we have a deeper draft pool, then we have, you know, more guys that we can choose from. So they don't want a thin draft pool. So of course teams want as many guys in as possible, but uh, I, he could, you know, he's one of these guys that if he goes 17, I don't think I'd be shocked. If he goes 57, I don't think I'd be shocked either. He has such a wide range. He could have possibly go undrafted. You just never know. And, um, but that's why I think it's hard to evaluate these guys that were, that weren't productive on the floor. And if, if you're only going to judge guys off of their high school resume and workouts, then, <laughs> then, I mean, it's like, what's the purpose of going to school for some guys? Yeah. I got a stat for you. Um, so, We've talked about Zaire last year, BJ Boston. So I was doing some research. Those two guys over the last 15 years, those were the first two guys drafted coming off of a season in which they posted a negative box plus minus. In other words, you could say they were basically had like the worst seasons in college and then went on to be drafted of like anyone in recent history. And from that list, the two guys we just talked about, Pat Baldwin, so Peyton Watson will also join that group. He also posted a negative box plus minus. So those two guys last year and those two guys this year. So basically we're going to see a continuing trend where these guys that 
you know, even if they don't pan out, they have that poor of freshman seasons. Uh, they just tend to opt in for the draft. And I think it, it's really fascinating. And I think we're going to see it continue. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting draft day. But before we get into the next segment, I wanted to talk about Built Bar. And it's the time of year that I've pretty much given up on my New Year's resolutions. I literally just ate a large medium pizza. But I know I need to, to get back on track. And one of the best ways for me to get back on track is to eat Built Bars. And I had some at the live draft show last year. Huge box. And I, I mean, I went through them. And when I say the built bars are these protein bars that taste like a candy bar, I am not pulling your leg, but built bar also has these puffs. And if you haven't had a puff, you're missing out. And the puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. It's not just a protein bar. It's a treat and it's covered with hundred percent real chocolate. And the puffs have been a fan favorite so far because of some of the flavors that have this yummy, cinnamony churro they have coconut marshmallow banana cream pie i mean you just have to try it for yourself and the built bars like i said earlier they are covered with 100 real chocolate and that includes the puffs yes you heard me right 100 real chocolate they're low calorie high protein they can replace your candy bars with ease because they're better a typical candy bar could be anywhere from two to three hundred calories but if you go to built.com you can check out the numbers you'll be blown away they're high protein low calories, high fiber, low carbs, and most Built Bars are only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Now, if you compare that to a candy bar, I know I have a thing for the white chocolate Snickers, and I know that has a ridiculous amount of calories, but the average candy bar is 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So check out the Built Bar. They have flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and my favorite flavor, I call it the Jason Williams. It is the white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious. And they have new flavors coming out all the time. If they think a flavor is good, they'll make it. And then they'll figure out a way to, to I mean, they make it delicious first. Put it like that. They make it delicious. Then they'll figure out a way to make it healthy. I do not know how, but they seem to pull it off every time. So go to built.com. And if you use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. So use the promo code LOCK15 and you will get 15% off of your next order. Once again, this is Raphael, Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board, Sam Ferris, Draft Dummies. We talked about Peyton Watson. We talked about Bryce McGowan. We started off with Patrick Baldwin. Who is the next player on your, your list of freshmen that may have disappointed or may not have ex lived up to the expectations they had coming into the season? So again, subjective one here, actually, I wouldn't say he disappointed, but I would say, I don't know if it's a good decision to enter the draft. So I want to get your opinion, but JD Davison out of Alabama, uh, he tweeted something the other day that I thought was funny where he was like, I'm sick of college. I'm entering the draft. Um, kind of funny, but you know, is it the right decision? Where is he going to go now? A lot of these guys we've talked about, and I think my mindset on this has changed recently. If obviously these guys aren't listening to me, but if they were, I would tell the majority of these guys to co to go back to school. Um, we've seen it in recent history, as recent as this past season, where guys like Johnny Davis, guys like Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, 
where they were able to boost their stock and rise into the lottery the next season. And I think sometimes we think, you know, if you get drafted into the NBA, you can develop there. But frankly, if you're not drafted like in the lottery or in the in the top 20, like most of these teams are not prioritizing the development of their second round pick or of a guy that's drafted 26th. So just I want to give a quick example. Like, could you imagine if Sharif Cooper had come back and played with Jabari Smith, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler this year, like where he could potentially have risen to? And instead he went, I don't remember, like 48th and got buried. Now he's playing in the G League. And, you know, the G League's a fine route, but could have earned himself a lot more money. Of course, you know, you never really know how these things are going to turn out. But um, sorry, that was my quick side route. Getting back to J.D. Davison, though, I think he's interesting because I would advise him to go back to school. But crazy stat on him. His biggest weakness this season was turnovers. And he posted a ghastly 29.2 turnover percent this year. Uh, multiple games of over seven turnovers. And, you know, if you go back and look in the database of guys that have been drafted, nobody has posted a turnover rate like that and gone on to be a good NBA player. And so I don't think he's ready to play in the NBA. I don't think he'll get minutes next year unless it's on a tanking team. And I think he's a guy that if he had gone back to Alabama and had a really good season that he could have shot up into you know, the top 20 of next year's draft, for example. Yeah, no, everything you said makes a lot of sense. I actually talked to an agent. It wasn't about J.D. Davison in particular, but he was telling me that he has a client and he actually hoped that the client goes in the second round because he believes the client will succeed. And if he's a second round pick, then he can get to his second contract faster than a guy in the first round. And then I've also talked to agents who who feel like, all right, if my guy is not going to be drafted in the first round, then they don't want him to get drafted at all because they want him to, they want to be able to pick the situation, pick the team. So, I mean, uh, imagine if you have a guy, let's say, let's say JD, all right, let's say he doesn't get drafted, you're his agent and you don't want him to get drafted. You may want to put him in a, on a team like Toronto, you know, with Toronto's development, they seem to be able to maximize their guys, or even if it's like a Miami, he may not play right away, but you know that he's going to be developed and coached. So, I mean, there's so many, I mean, like different games going on behind the scenes. I do think that if he came back to school, he could lock himself into being a first round pick. I do think at Alabama, they have the resources to get him good NIL money to where you know, if, if money's an issue to where, you know, you need to enter the draft because you need to feed your family. I'm not saying that that is his case, but he could definitely be in a situation where, where, situation where if he came back to school, he'd be a projected top 10 pick in next year's draft. But some guys just want to get to the league. Some guys have it already set out in their head that they're one and done, no matter what they do. And I would still draft Davidson. I think that, I mean, he has the athleticism. He has the physical tools. I mean, he needs to work on the shot. He needs to work on the decision-making. But I think if you get him in the right development situation, kind of reminds me a little bit of Eric Bledsoe, in a sense, where Bledsoe didn't start at Kentucky, 
but he learned under Chris Paul. And after learning under Chris Paul as a backup, he ended up developing into a, I mean, a good player. So um, I, I, if I'm Davidson, I, I'm, I'd hope for a situation like that. I'd hope to go to, I don't even know if they have a pick, but I'm saying like a Phoenix or a team like maybe, maybe you go to, I don't even know if the Blazers have any picks in the second round, but if you can get him on the team with a veteran point guard that he can learn from, I think he can benefit because he has all the tools. Yeah, and I don't mean to say that he really had that bad of a season either. Had some big games, including against Gonzaga, Gonzaga, put up 20 points. And so, you know, probably got on the scouting radar more so in that game. Uh, So didn't have a bad season, but a team like Alabama where they've put out pros, like they play a fast system. If you were to come back, be the focal point of that offense, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up being a top 20 pick next season, certainly a first round guy. But I'd say the same to Bryce McGowan's, to Max Christie, who we haven't gotten to really talk about. And I I like both those guys. I'd draft them in the first round, but that's because I believe in them. But like we've seen with some of these guys in, in recent years, you can come back and make yourself way more money by working your way into the lottery. Um, Now, there's different situations, like you said, some guys, if they go undrafted, end up picking their situations like in Austin Reeves this year and and end up having a big role. There are always different opportunities. There's always a path if you're good enough to make it in the NBA. But I do just think that sometimes we do discount the fact that only five guys can play at once. There's only so many minutes to go around. We see guys just disappear all the time when they don't really get an opportunity. And so if I, if I were, it's different for every guy, but for a lot of the guys, the majority, I would say of the guys we've talked about, I've changed my mind on this. And I think more so now, especially like you said, with the NIL money that they can, a lot of these guys can make the same staying in college as they could as a second round pick. And so, even more if you're even on more. a two way, you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think the NIL is a game changer because, you know, you've seen guys that are like, well, you know, I, I need to take care of my family. We didn't come from much, but now with the NIL and even then, even before NIL, I mean, a lot of guys are getting paid under the table, which people don't want to talk about anyway. Yeah. But I mean, I've heard of guys getting six figure deals and a car. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you, I, I think the best example that you gave was Sharif Cooper. If Sharif Cooper stays, he is, a star i mean yeah. auburn is i mean they were already good they were like the number one team for a good chunk of the season yeah and they, they're that they much terrible. better their guards cost them too so imagine yeah. replacing them with sharif cooper yeah and then he goes to the absolute i think atlanta is one of the worst situations you can go to as a young player not because there's anything wrong with the development there but they just have so much depth at yeah. almost every position and his game doesn't necessarily allow him to play with Trey Young. So, I mean, he's going to be buried on there. I mean, unless he can earn some minutes as a backup next year, I think it's going to be tough for him to even crack the rotation. But I think if he does crack the rotation, I think that he can do well. But, I mean, you 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 hit the jackpot. You hit the nail on the head with the, with the Sharice Cooper one. Well, man, that wraps up this episode, man. It was fun. I mean, it seems like when I'm when I'm on with you, we we can end up going forever. I know the last last week's episode went a little long, so 
wanted to to keep it at around you know a, a manageable time so thank you but before i go Shout out to each and every person again for making NBA Big, the NBA Big Book podcast your first listen of the day. Now, I want you to check out the Locked On NBA podcast because from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals, the Locked On experts will take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. I'm Rafael Barlow. He's Sam Ferris. Actually, before we go, Sam, where can the audience find you at and, and, and find your work and all your great basketball insight you can follow me at draft dummies on twitter and always happy to talk to a lot of people you know message me and we talk basketball but I, I post my thoughts i post stats and i post a lot of clips i've been a little bit busier with work traveling this week so haven't had as much time but you know every day i'm on there so always happy to talk with anybody and always kind of on there posting my thoughts both of the rookies and of the next class of guys coming into the draft all right man thanks again for having me on i will see you again same time be on next wednesday once again this is rafael barlow he's sam ferris and we are out